0: You are listening to the Bellator Christi podcast brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas.
1: And is able to, we invite you to please stand as we pay honor to the reading and hearing of God's precious holy word. Acts chapter one, verses one through eleven. Now you recall that uh, the same person who wrote the Gospel of Luke wrote this book, and so the starting of the book of Acts is it really resembles the beginning of the book of the Gospel of, of Luke. He says, in my former account, he's referencing to the gospel that bears his name. I made O Theophilus. Now, the word Theophilus is a compound name of two Greek words, theos, meaning God, and phileo, meaning brotherly love. So put those two together, you have his name, meaning lover of God. So, in the former account, I made O Theophilus of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, talking about his ascension. After he, through the Holy Spirit, had given the commandments to the apostles, whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive, and after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Beloved, we could just camp out in those few verses right there for several weeks and talk about the important information that was there. Uh, But he goes on to say... And and he's he's referencing uh, the words of Jesus which is referencing another day that would come on the 50th day, which is Pentecost. Which, beloved, we are actually celebrating today. Today is Mark's in the church calendar, the day of Pentecost. So after being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them that this was their whole... That's what they thought the Messiah was going to do all along. They had it in their minds that he was going to be an earthly king, an earthly ruler, who would provide the kingdom back to Israel to get them away from the enslavement of Rome. But you see, the Messiah had come for a different purpose, as they had seen. And so he answers, he says, "...it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem." in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, we don't really talk about this in the message, but here's the model for missions. Here's the model that we must follow in missions. Notice they're in Jerusalem, so it starts where you are. Missions begins at home. So you go from Jerusalem, then to Judea and Samaria, which you may say would be like your state and community, and then to the ends of the earth in foreign missions as well. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men... I love this story here. Now, now just, just picture this in your mind, okay? To get this... Uh, I think this is really funny. Here they see Jesus. Jesus is, is teaching them. They're, he, they're on the Mount of Olives. A cloud comes, and they take this cloud takes Jesus up into the heavens. Look what happens. And while they were steadfastly looking toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men, two angels, stood by them in white apparel, who also said, now can you just imagine their faces? I know this would be me. Jesus is being taken up into heaven, and they're looking up, and their mouths are probably open wow. <laughs> would you look at that? And all of a sudden, two angels are standing by them, and they said, men of Galilee... Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So in other words, they said, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, uh, Jesus has gone up to heaven. He's coming back. Didn't he tell you to do something? Well, do it. <laughs> That's kind of what the angels are telling them. Get to it. Get busy. So dear kind, and gracious heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and what it means to us. And, Lord, this morning we just ask, as, as what happened on the day of Pentecost, that your Holy Spirit would flood this place. And, Lord, just allow me to speak the words that need to be spoken, hold back any words that don't need to be spoken. And in and through it all, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, and our hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Let's, let's be honest. Uh, in, in church, it's sometimes difficult for we as a church people, and I'm speaking from experience, I'm speaking to myself. Sometimes it's difficult for us to, 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 to get doing what we need to do, amen? Sometimes it's difficult for us to do what we need to do, and sometimes we just have to be prompted to do what we're supposed to do or do what needs to be done. I've been listening a lot ever since the leadership conference I attended at Calvary Church in Advance, North Carolina. Tom Rainer was there. And ever since that time, I've really been listening to a lot of his podcasts and a lot of his uh, information that he posts at TomRainer.com. Great guy. He's a president of Lifeway Christian Bookstores and uh, is heavily involved in our denomination of the Southern Baptist Convention. But he told this story. Actually, he interviewed a guy and another guy told this story. This is a true story. Okay. This happened at, I believe he said, Boyd Baptist Church near Fort Worth, Texas. And as you know, down in Texas, it's pretty hot down there. And so uh, there's this, this small country church, and uh, they had been debating for a long time whether to install air conditioner in the church. You know, They were fine most of the year, except for summertime. And on one occasion, you know, every time the subject was brought up, the church was 50-50. They were split. They couldn't get it to pass whether they should install air conditioner or not in the church. And every Sunday during the summertime, they would have all of the windows raised, and they would have the front door open because it was so hot in there. You know, you'd have those, I remember at Albion Church, they used to have those fans, you know, just wave those fans trying to cool off and be so hot. And the preachers start preaching, and you see just an array of fans going across the sanctuary, people hot, just trying to cool off. Well, that was until one Sunday when, in the middle of a sermon, they heard their next-door neighbor cursing his dog. And those curses came into the church. You could hear everything that man was saying to his old hound dog. And after a few minutes, everybody was shocked to hear this, that this next-door neighbor say these things. After a moment of silence, you heard the ring of a shotgun blast. True story, I am not making this up. A few minutes after that, here comes that old hound dog running in the middle of the church through the front door. Blood splattering everywhere. Philip, I'm sorry, this happened. The chairman of the deacons came, tried to grab the dog. The dog bit the deacon. And... (laughs) And the whole congregation at this time, they're up in a frenzy trying to see how they can get this dog under control. Well, luckily by that time, a group of deacons came and they, uh, they, they took the dog, they bandaged it up and took it back. They were able. To, I think my understanding is that they were able to, to get the dog healed. But the moral of the story is this. The next Wednesday, the church unanimously agreed to have air conditioner in the church. And by the next Sunday, they had it. <laughs> Sometimes it takes severe things to prompt us to do what we need to do as a people. And this isn't only true of church, it's true of many things in life. A lot of times we get, we get in kind of ruts in our lives. You know, we, we go through the monotony week by week and we get kind of in a, an established routine and it's hard for us to, to move out of that routine. Well, the same thing was true for the early disciples, they had their mindset set on what Jesus was supposed to be and Jesus completely shattered that mindset that they had all, all together. And so they were actually in this process, they wanted to just uh, stay in Jerusalem and be quiet. They didn't want to draw a lot of attention to themselves because they had seen a lot of things take place and this time they were kind of timid. They were kind of withdrawn. They didn't want to go out in the public that much telling people about Jesus until until. Three things took place that forever transformed the church, that forever transformed these early disciples. You have Peter, who is a timid, now, normally he's not timid, as you see in scriptures. He's normally, if, if, if he has something on his mind, he's usually the first to say it. But when Jesus was being tried, remember uh, that night that Jesus was being tried, Jesus, uh, Peter, excuse me, denied three times that he knew Jesus. Yet this same Peter, however, you take a look about 50 days afterwards, he is standing in the streets of Jerusalem saying, Men of Israel, this same Jesus whom you have crucified has risen from the dead and he's coming back. What happened? Is this the same guy? It is. What happened to this guy? What happened to this ragtag group of disciples that transformed them from a group of timid men to bold proclaimers of the word of God? Well, three things took place that implemented the church, and in fact, we need to focus upon as a church as well to help us be empowered, to help us to do the work that God has called us to do. In the first three verses, we see the first event that took place, and we encourage you to follow along in the insert on your bulletin as we go through these three things. Number one, the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ was essential in establishing the church. Now here again in verse 1, we see that Luke is uh, talking to this Theophilus, this guy to whom he wrote the gospel, this guy to whom he's writing the book of Acts, uh, this may be a guy who is an influential person in, in society. He may have even been paying for the process of these books to have been written because a book the size of Acts and the, book, uh, and the size of the Gospel of Luke would have cost around $6,000 in that day and time. Uh, so, I mean, Luke is an incredible. He's a doctor. He's a physician. And obviously it may have been Theophilus who was paying to ha- for the, the largest part to have these documents written. So he's writing to this Theophilus. And he talks about this Jesus, who was crucified, is raised again from the dead. And over a course we see, until the day in which he was taken up, which was 40 days after the resurrection. 40 days. The the Easter event was not just a one-day event. This happened, Jesus appeared to the disciples over a course of 40 days. About a month and a half, Jesus was with the disciples. Amazing. Okay, so he had chosen to whom he had also presented himself alive after he suffered by many infallible proofs. Luke uses a word which is translated infallible proofs, which is absolutely amazing here. He uses a technical term called tekmerios. And this word tekmerios is actually found in a lot of Greek logic textbooks, in ancient Greek textbooks, and it, it means infallible proofs. Uh, It's a technical term meaning demonstrable proof or evidence. I believe that it's very well possible. In fact, I think we have evidence in this in the Gospel of John that Jesus, after he was resurrected from the dead, went back to performing miracles as he had before he was crucified. In fact, we see that Jesus calls upon the disciples as they're out fishing on the Sea of Galilee, cast your nets on the other side. And this had to frustrate Uh, The the fishermen, because they were trained professionals, they knew what they were doing And here you have this guy say, throw your nets on the other side, and it worked (laughs) Can you imagine the frustration? So Jesus performed that miracle I have no doubt in my mind that over the course of 40 days Jesus probably went back healing people as he had, raising people from the dead I mean, there was no doubt whatsoever that this guy had defeated death tekmerios, infallible, incontrovertible evidence that Jesus had, in fact, raised from the dead. We see in Scripture, we see in Scripture that the Bible tells us that anyone who is hung upon a tree is is considered a curse. If God had left him in the grave, Christianity would not be here. Christianity would not be here because the disciples would have said he must be a curse, we don't need to follow him anymore. Beneath and not into Christianity. But the fact that God had raised Jesus from the dead showed them, proved to them that God did not leave him, his body to decay as I think the book of Job tells us but raised him up from the dead. He, He redeemed Jesus and Jesus had forevermore defeated death, hell and the grave. And now for these disciples, for Peter who was scared for his life he didn't have to worry anymore. In fact, uh, church history tells us that this same Peter did not himself deem himself worthy to be crucified in the same manner of Jesus, but was in fact crucified being hung upside down in the year 67 A.D. by that evil emperor known as Nero. What happened to Peter? What changed him? How did he go from a man hiding and denying Jesus to a man boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus? Well, he saw Jesus risen from the dead. It wasn't an apparition that he saw. It wasn't a ghost that he saw. It was, in fact, the Son of God who had defeated death, hell, and the grave. We have um, developed a prayer garden. we made a prayer garden in the back of our house. And I love that place. In fact, I was out there yesterday so long that I prob- probably longer than I needed to be because the heat started getting to me. I come back in, I, whew, wow. <laughs> it was just really hot yesterday. But we have a cross that we've set up back in the back part of this prayer garden. And uh, every day of the church year, there are different colors that uh, represent certain things in the church year. For instance, red is the color for today. Red represents special days such as Pentecost. It represents uh, other certain days. I think even Thanksgiving is represented by the red cloth. Uh, Royal blue is the time that precedes Christmas called Advent. That's the the color of that time. Uh, Lent is the color purple as we go into uh, the time of the Holy Week. Red is in Holy Week as well. But white is only used for the highest holiest days of all. White represents the purity of God, represents the victory of God. It's used on Easter Sunday and on Christmas Sunday. But you know when I started doing this, the amazing thing, I put up the white cloth around Easter Sunday. It was right about that time that we put it up, maybe a little after. And it amazed me that I just took it down and replaced it with a red cloth this, past, this weekend. You know why? Because we don't celebrate Easter one day a year. The Easter event was celebrated for 40 days because Jesus appeared alive for 40 days, beloved. It wasn't just a one-day thing they saw. They saw Jesus alive for 40 days doing miracles as he had done before. Paul tells us quite clearly. That if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is our faith. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith, he says, is worthless. But since Christ has been raised from the dead, we have we have a, <laughs> beloved, a hope that transcends all understanding. We have the promise of eternal life, and we no longer have to worry about death. As Ricky Smitherman once said before, we live We die as a Christian. We're a winner either way. Amen? No matter what we're going through in life, we're a winner because Christ Jesus has overcome the grave. Brother Nolan, isn't it good to know that one of these days we ain't going to have to worry about our knees. We're not going to have to worry about diabetes. We're not going to have to worry about heart problems or any of this stuff because we're going to have a glorified body, the Bible tells us, a body that will never more feel any pain, a body that will live forever, no more tears to dim the eyes. Nothing but joy and love and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and faithfulness. What a day that's going to be. We have a hope that transcends understanding because Jesus has defeated death. He has risen from the dead. i got to move on. I could st- stay all day on that topic alone. Number two, we see in verses four through eight, the very thing we're celebrating this Sunday is the day of Pentecost. The feeling of the Holy Spirit was essential in empowering the church. You see, Jesus didn't leave them alone as orphans. In fact, He promised them. He says, well, "You stay in Jerusalem." He didn't tell them what time Jesus was leaving it up. He was leaving them in suspense. Sometimes He doesn't give us all the details, but He just He gives us, puts us in the right direction. But we see in verses four through eight that the Holy Spirit was going to come, and we see we're going to read about this coming up in chapter two. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, we'll cover this here in a couple of weeks. But for day, today, Jesus said, uh, John the Baptist baptized you with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit of God. This is the most personal part of the triune God here. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Beloved, do you know that you're never alone? You say, well, now, Brian, wait a minute. Sometimes I sit alone in the afternoons or I may sit alone here and sit alone there. Not the case. If you are a born-again believer and you've been saved by the grace and mercy and power of Almighty God, you know what happened? The Holy Spirit of Almighty God has come in your life. He has come into your life. And so you will abide in Him and He will abide in you. And there, you, there will never more be any loneliness, beloved. Because if you have God, if you have Christ in your heart, then you have the Holy Spirit of God. And you have that same Spirit. Just think about this. That same Spirit that hovered over the waters at the beginning of creation. That same Spirit that inspired the writers of Scripture. That same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within you that's why Paul could write greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world the Holy Spirit in us and he also tells us in verse 8 you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even in the end of the world you see, Christ has promised His disciples. He promises all of us in John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans, but I am coming to you. He says in John 14:26, I have spoken these things to you that while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. You see, the wonderful thing when we come to salvation is a three-step process. First of all, we repent. The word in Greek is metanoia, which means we have an about face. We have a change of heart. We have a change of mind. And we when we realize our need for the Savior. And then there comes the, the dependence, the trust that we have in Christ Jesus. We place our faith, our dependence, our trust in Him. And we, we proclaim Him as the Son of God. We receive the forgiveness of God. And by doing so, there's the third step. We receive the Holy Spirit. Now I believe that all of this happens on the same occasion. We repent, we receive, and then we receive the Holy Spirit at one time. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. He goes on to say, remain in me and abide in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. Beloved, this is what that means. By ourselves... We can't be good people. By ourselves, we can't do the work of ministry. Because by ourselves, we're going to come up empty every single time. But beloved, you start getting the Holy Spirit involved and things start happening, amen? Things start changing. Only God has the power to knock down the hardness of of one's heart. Only God has the power to soften one's heart. Only God has the power to illuminate a person, to show them the truth of God's Word. Only God has that power. So, beloved, if we as individuals or we as the church don't have the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us, then we will not be successful in anything we do. But if we have the Holy Spirit, beloved everything changes. Amen? Everything changes. For those of you, Faith and Melissa, they, they, with me, attended Liberty University. And Liberty University's theme verse is this, from 2 Corinthians, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We have freedom through the Holy Spirit of God. We have power through the Holy Spirit of God. We have direction through the Holy Spirit of God. So, beloved, by ourselves we can do nothing, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do all things through Him who is in us. So the filling of the Holy Spirit, this Pentecost was essential in empowering us. And understand, beloved, each and every single one of you, if you have received the Holy Spirit, you've received Christ as your Savior, you have fruit, And you have spiritual gifts. Amen? You have spiritual gifts. Each and every one of you in here today has a spiritual gift given to you by God. Crystal has many spiritual gifts. In fact, Wednesday, we were talking about the feeding of the 5,000. And Faith said, if there's anyone who had that gift, it would probably be Crystal to be able to do that. (laughs) And I think most of us would agree. But the filling of the Holy Spirit empowers the church. Number three, the ascension of Christ was essential in enacting the church. Now here again, look at verses 9-11. through I love this story because we see Jesus risen from the dead, and then all of a sudden you see these disciples, they're huddled around the Mount of Olives, that's where Jesus ascends into heaven, and they're talking to Jesus, and Jesus is, is telling them, giving them their marching orders, and then here again we see Jesus being taken up in the clouds of heaven, the, the Shekinah glory, the glory of God Fills around Jesus, takes Jesus up into heaven And they're looking up at Jesus going Wow, wow, that's amazing Did you used to see that? Man, that's incredible And then all of a sudden these two angels appear And they said, as we mentioned before Guys, uh, he didn't call you to stand around here He called you to get busy Get to it <laughs> That's what they're basically saying Get to it, get to it If Jesus had stayed here on the earth Which he could have done if he had stayed on the earth, we may not have depended on him the way we would have if he ascended into heaven. By ascending into the he- to heaven, he sits at God right, God's right hand. Uh, we understand that he is our advocate. Uh, by sitting on God's right hand, of from whence he will come to judge the living and the, de- and the dead... And so we, uh, we understand that. But you have to understand something about the Holy Spirit. The gift we have with the Holy Spirit is empowering us. We have the presence of Jesus with us through this Holy Spirit to do great things for Christ. You have the power within you. You say, now, now I don't know about talking to that person. Through the Holy Spirit of God, you have the power to reach people that you didn't know that you could. Maybe a simple act of kindness will be used by the Holy Spirit to lead someone to Christ. You never know. A simple act of kindness may do just that. The thing about the Holy Spirit is He will often move us from our comfort zones. Now, if you want to be comfortable... You may not want the Holy Spirit in your life. (laughs) Because I'm going to tell you, if I do something wrong, no one has to tell me I have the Holy Spirit of God already convicting me. If I do something wrong or I say something wrong, He's already in me convicting me that what I did was wrong. He says, Brian, you need to make it right. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in our lives to make us comfortable. He comes in our lives to make us powerful. He comes into our lives to make us useful for the kingdom of God and to do great things because of Christ, our Savior. True ministry is found in evangelism and discipleship. It's found in us being willing participants, being used of the Holy Spirit to go out and do great things for Christ. Let me just simply close with this. Many times, doing ministry is just simply... Telling someone about what Jesus has done in your life Maybe it's just simply telling someone how you've experienced Christ in your life Maybe it's it's being used of Him to just just tell people about the great wonders of God A Chinese farmer, after having his cataracts removed from his eyes Made his way from the Christian compound to the far interior of China Only a few days elapsed, however, before the missionary doctor looked out his bamboo window and noticed that the formerly blind man was holding the front end of a long rope. In a single file and holding on to the rope behind him came several blind Chinese individuals whom whom the farmer had told about his operation. They all knew the farmer had been blind and now that he could see. He told them of the doctor who had cured him. Naturally, all these other blind people wanted to meet the doctor who cured the blind man. Beloved, the same is true for us in ministry. The same is true for us as Christians. We once were blind, but now we see. We once were lost, but now we're found. And so we have the command from Christ to simply go out Maybe take a line (laughs) and having other blind people following that line, bringing them back to the source of our healing. Not to a physician, a physical physician, but to the physician of all physicians, to the Lord Jesus Christ. So because of the resurrection, because of the day of Pentecost, and because of the ascension of Jesus Christ, we have established the church before us. Christ has established the church for us. And we can do great things if we'll simply trust upon Him and depend upon Him and follow His will and His command. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and maybe you've never received Christ as your Savior. And by doing so, maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit as He comes down upon those who receive Him as Savior and God. And maybe, you want, maybe you want to have that experience today, beloved, as we're celebrating the day of Pentecost. Today can be your day of Pentecost. It can be the day that you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. That He will come in and He will flood your heart and He will make a transformation in your life like no other. Or maybe you're here today and maybe you just want to, maybe you're burdened, maybe you have a lot of problems and maybe you want to lay them down at the feet of Jesus We encourage you to come down to this altar today. Or maybe you want to join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your life, we just pray that you'll come and do as the Holy Spirit leads. Dear kind of gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the salvation that we have in and through you, full and free. We thank you, Lord, for the power of your Holy Spirit for the joy that we find from the Holy Spirit and from the love and peace that only comes from you and we just ask that during this time of invitation that you'll come down upon this congregation today come down upon all of us cleanse us and create in us a new heart oh God to be served, to serve you and, and to, to love you the way we need to have your will and your way in this time of invitation for us in Jesus' name we ask all these things Amen and amen. Would you please stand as we sing our final selection? Hymn number 308, Pass Me Not, O Gentle
0: Savior. Are you
1: looking for something that will train you in Christian apologetics, but you don't have time to commit to a long-term program? Do you want to learn more about the philosophical, scientific, and historical reasons for the Christian faith? If you answered yes, then plan to attend the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics entitled Defending a Faith that Thinks. It will be held October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, sponsored by Southern Evangelical Seminary. Among the speakers include Michael Brown, Norman Geisler. Gary Habermas, Kim Han, Richard Howe, Greg Kokel, J.P. Morland, SES President Richard Land, Jay Richards, Hugh Ross, Frank Turrett, J. Warner Wallace, and more than 30 additional speakers. Early bird pricing lasts until August 1st. For more information, go to conference.ses.edu. I plan to be at the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics, I hope to see you there. Once again, this is October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Go to conference.ses.edu. The National Conference on Christian Apologetics, Defending the Faith of
0: Life. Liberty. And the Pursuit of Happiness. Our great nation was built on these simple principles. So was our university. Find your greatness at Liberty. Online or on campus, discover more at liberty.edu. It's the difference between a job and a career. on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi Podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Michaela Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment.